Hello, and welcome to Co-op Cast. This week, Steve and Elijah will catch up on some reviews and get you all the co-op news. Welcome to Co-op Cast. My name is Steve. And I'm Elijah. And in this week's episode... We're going to cover some news and review Nemesis. To help us today, we have a special guest, Barrent, from Meet Me at the Table. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Welcome, Barrent. So you do a YouTube channel called Meet Me at the Table. Tell us a little bit about it. You are correct. I do do a YouTube channel called Meet Me at the Table. I uh, have been doing it for almost about a year. I basically do reviews, unboxings, and I do playthroughs of games that I really enjoy, mainly solo and co-op. It's really been a lot of fun to do. Awesome. Yeah, I've caught your channel a few times. I'll enjoy watching your content, so I wanted to have you come on the show at some point, so I'm glad you joined us. Well, I'm really happy to be here. It's just like I said, it's an honor to be here. You guys are amazing, and it's good to be with you guys. He doesn't know better, Elijah. Just roll with it. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like this guy. <laughs> so let's jump into what we've been up to lately. So, Elijah, what about you? Well, Maximum Apocalypse expansion has arrived from Kickstarter. Yes. A lot of awesome stuff in there. So the Priest and... Uh, the Ronin, a lot of fun characters, the adventure, so aka Indiana Jones, um, super cool stuff. Love the box, um, a lot of more scenarios, really fleshed out the uh, game. And additionally, some things that were kind of missing. There was one card that was missing from the original game that was included with the expansion, which worked out really well, uh, or turned out really, was really nice to get. Um, played an epic game of Eldritch Horror and actually won, so that was great. Um, I don't believe you. Very satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) I have never won that game. (laughs) It's quite funny because I actually have a pretty high success when I don't play with Steve, so. (laughs) (laughs) That seems accurate. (laughs) How about you, Steve? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot, actually. Um, I guess the big highlight I've had lately was playing SEAL Team Flicks with you, getting back to our campaign, which has been really fun. We had some epic moments. Not really by me, because I suck at dexterity games, as you guys will probably find out when I do the playthrough for this. <laughs> but, so there's a couple of cool moments in our campaign we had, where we had to run around this subway system trying to find a time bomb and try to defuse it. But there's also a mastermind nearby, and we had a cool moment where Elijah had his flashbang, I believe, and he threw it in the room, you know, stunned everyone, and came down and just took out the mastermind and eliminated that threat completely from the board, which was awesome. And Elijah had to run over to this time bomb and disarm it, and it was pretty exciting as he's trying to cut the wires, and there's guys sneaking behind him, so I'm covering his back, and he's able to dis- disarm it just in time before it re- explodes. It was a good time, so I enjoyed that game. It was awesome. A lot of fun. So what about you, Baron? What have you been up to? What have I been up to, huh? Well, actually, my gaming group just finished Aeons and Legacy, and I have to admit, it was a lot better than I've been hearing about, but you're also coming from a person who's really a Aeons and noob. I haven't played much of it, so it was really cool because we were able to just start from the ground up. My gaming group sometimes isn't really good at having, I don't know, 700 rules thrown at them, so it was really nice how we slowly built through it, through the Legacy, and I think it's a great way to start if you haven't played Aeons and. It was it was a really good time. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, we, my wife and I actually sat down and started playing Chronicles of Crime. Now, I wasn't sure again if we were going to like this one, but I heard so many good things about it that we gave it a shot. And she and I are having a good time with it. But when I introduced it to the group, they really weren't that key on it. I think it was because 
everybody wanted to see what was going on. Mm -hmm. And it's just so hard to pass that around all the time. And so eventually, I don't think it's that great for a lot of people, but we, my wife and I had a lot of fun playing it. That's kind of what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks on top of, well, (laughs) recording content for my channel. Cool. Cool. So that's what I've been up to lately. Now let's jump into some news. There's a few games coming on Kickstarter lately. First one I'll talk about is one I've been following called 1001 Odysseys. So this is a kind of cool game. It's very whimsical in nature, and it's basically a storybook game or a story-driven game. So it's kind of a sci-fi theme where you have four different characters to play. You have the commander, navigator, information, and operations. And so if you're playing with four people, obviously each person can take a role. But if you're playing less than that, you can divide how you want. And it's pretty loose, so you can mix and match if people want to try different characters. But how it works is you have this deck of cards, and this deck is going to help you decide where in the story book to look up paragraphs. And so you choose an action, a mission, and which crew member is going to go on this, do this action on this mission. And that combination tells you where in the story book to look at the paragraph and read through the what happens. And it'll give you more options as you progress through it. So it looks kind of cool if you like that storybook theme. I'm thinking like Legacy Dragonholt type style game. Might be something worth looking into. Steve, do you feel this might have a little bit of a Tales of Arabian Nights kind of feel to it as well? or? Yeah, I don't feel like it along that same lines too. Yep. It does seem like it's pretty whimsical and lighthearted from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. It may be good for families. It's hard to tell. I'm not seeing that it jumps out that tells me, no, don't, don't read this with families. But yeah, maybe. Cool. And that game is 1001 Odysseys. It's currently funded on Kickstarter. The next game I'll mention on Kickstarter is actually Expansion. Shipwreck Arcana, Stars Below. And in this campaign, you can actually get the base game if you happen to miss out on it. So Shipwreck Arcana is a compact cooperative deduction game. So basically what you'll be doing is you'll be laying out these four Arcana cards which have various rules. And you'll be drawing two fates from the bag. And you don't show them to the group. And you'll choose to put one of those fates in front of a card and keep the other fate hidden. And so you have to play that fate according to the card you put it next to you. And then the rest of the group is the goal is to try to predict the value of the hidden fate you have in your hand. So that's kind of how the game works. And this expansion adds a few more modules to that to make it interesting. The game ends when the players earn seven points or their doom reaches seven. So this supports two to five players and plays about 20 minutes. The campaign is currently funded on Kickstarter and it ends February 19th. The next game I'll mention on Kickstarter is The Eternal Battle. Now, this one was previously on Kickstarter. I think we mentioned it in a previous podcast, so I won't go into too much detail here. But it's a one-to-four-player cooperative tactile fantasy board game where you're playing a non-linear story. So it was canceled uh, when the previous launch, and I think it had maybe had to do with all the other launches happening at that same time because there's a lot of competition. Uh, but it's back on Kickstarter. And it's a little short of its goal. It's currently funded, as of this recording, 40k, and it's looking for 50k. This is a campaign will go till February 28th, so if that sounds interesting, check it out. That's the Eternal Battle. We have two other news topics to quickly discuss, and these are both in the digital realm. The first one I'll mention is Imperial Assault Return to Hoth. So yes, that's another campaign for Imperial Assault. And it's kind of weird because I don't remember seeing a official news article coming from Fantasy Flight Games, but it's definitely updated in the app. So if you're looking for another campaign for Star Wars, go ahead and check this one out. 
The last news item I'll mention is Legends of Andor is, has gone to digital. So I know on our Slack channel, there's a quite a few people who are excited about this one. So if you want to talk about this digital implementation, jump on there and join us. And with that said, let's jump into our discussion topic, which is going to be a review of Nemesis. So Baron, why don't you describe what Nemesis is about? So Nemesis is a one to five player semi-co-op game. The way it works is you determine a starting order, and then you're going to draft characters. Each character has kind of their own way of playing based on their items and kind of the cards in their action deck. Now, you use these cards to perform actions throughout the ship, which could be uh, actions in a room. It could be the actions on the cards, or it could be any actions you gain from items you collect around the ship. Now, the goal is to get to Earth. And to keep the engines running. But since it's like a company ship, you don't really know if that's where you're going. And you don't really know if the engines are working. And all this time, there is intruders on the board. So as you're moving around, you're going to create noise. And once you develop too much noise, these intruders come out. And you have to try to take them out or run from them. Whatever you think is the best plan. In And during all this, the characters have their own mission that they're trying to solve while they're still trying to get survive the whole nemesis thing you could be anywhere from destroying the ship to finding out weaknesses or maybe even kill player three i mean so you always have this tension of who do you trust who do you not trust and it kind of builds some of the some of the i guess awesomeness of the game so once you actually do get the ship either to earth or you've gone through escape pods or such you found a way to at least survive your mission then you can decide who actually won based on if their secret mission was won one thing about the game that is kind of interesting is that you don't actually know the ship layout. So the entire ship is completely, you don't know what rooms are what. So you're going to be slowly going through these rooms and figuring out what's in them. And you're going to be using these rooms to not only find items, but you're also going to be using these rooms to perform actions in the ship. Could be anywhere from shutting doors on people, or even you can even jettison people out the airlock, which is actually pretty funny. If you had Kill Player 3, that's a good way to do it. And after you get done playing that way, they also have a solo and a co-op option you can play in this game. So there's multiple ways of playing the game. Now, while you're trying to actually get through your objective, you're going to be trailed all the time by these intruders. And they're anywhere from little larvae to crawlers to then adult-sized aliens. And if you're really lucky, you get to run into breeders and queens. And each of these have their own way of attacking you based on an intruder deck. Also during the turn, you're going to get event cards, and these event cards are going to influence the ship in ways, or it's going to make the intruders do things. So it's a lot of randomness to the game that also adds a lot of suspense to it. So let's jump into our 5 and 5. So those of you who haven't listened to our podcast before, this 5 and 5 review is we take the 5 most important things someone should know about this game, and we rank them from the least important all the way up to the most important. And then as we talk about each of these points, we'll talk about if they're a pro or con for us and get into some details on that. So with that said, Elijah, why don't you start us off with your number five? So my number five is the components in the game. Um, the artwork, the box, the miniatures are very good quality. Um, I actually ordered the Sundrop uh, painted miniatures, which look really nice on the table. The dice, all the tokens, the noise tokens. It's just a really good quality game um, for the components. The cards are um, really decent star- card stock. The inserts are really is really, really nice. So um, it actually came with a art book as well. And... Uh, I my number five is pro. It's uh, the components. 
Yeah, Elijah, I completely agree. I think the components are really well done in here. The minis are awesome. They're quite large, which is kind of really imposing when you've got this little guy on the board and this giant Xeno covering over you. It's a pretty cool sense of uh, dread, honestly, with that scale. It's pretty cool. And yeah, the artwork's awesome. It gives that dark, foreboding sense in it. It really sets the theme. I have zero complaints on components. They're really well done on that. So I'm curious about you, Berndt. Um, what is your number five? My number five is actually, believe it or not, it's a con. Even though I'm on here to kind of give you my opinions of the game, here's my con of the game. It has a lot of solo and co-op ability, but I was kind of disappointed in the amount of solo co-op objective cards that were in it. There's not too many that you can choose from, and you're going to be given two for each of your characters. And if you look at the amount of objectives there are for the semi-co-op versus the like solo and co-op version, I was kind of disappointed in how many they didn't have. Now, on the flip side, if you had a chance to look, the I believe it might just be the Kickstarter that comes with that campaign, uh, co-op campaign book. That is awesome. I am having a blast going through that. So on the flip side, they did a really good job on that co-op campaign, but I really think that I really would have liked some more solo and co-op cards to make it more diverse when you're playing that style? You know, I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, this is something that Steve and I talked about that, it, it, you know, we begin to wonder if it would feel a little samey with the lack of the solo co-op uh, objectives. And I feel like it was added as a stretch goal and it it does kind of feel that way. Um, but I would definitely agree with you on that, Con. Yeah, I we always took the words out of my mouth, Elijah. But I feel like if you didn't play this game super frequently in a co-op or solo mode, and you took a break, like, I don't know, like a month or two between plays, it wouldn't feel too samey, so it's not too bad in that regard. But yeah, it would definitely would help with more variety for sure. And it would be an easy thing to do. Well, Steve, we haven't heard your number five. What do you got? So I'm going to start off with a con, and that is player elimination. I never like seeing that in games, and this one definitely has it. It can come up kind of abruptly, and that's something that I would want to make sure any new players were aware of, where, let's say if you have two serious wounds, there are certain like intruder attack cards will just say, yeah, if you have two serious wounds, you're eliminated from game, when normally if you have three serious wounds, you get eliminated. So you may have like a false sense of security that you're okay, and just, oh wait, now I'm wiped out. Or someone, like you mentioned earlier, might lock the hatch doors on you and open up the airlock and try to sweep you off to space, for example. If you're playing competitive in that regard, that can happen too. I mean, there's ways of, of mitigating. And as long as people are aware of it, it's not too bad. And admittedly, when we were playing full co-op, we didn't get eliminated ourselves. We, we were careful about that. But it definitely can happen. It can come up abruptly. So that's why I'm listing it here as my number five. I can see your point. I, I do. Though sometimes the abruptness of death, I know it kind of would be a little rough for some people, but... I do think it is kind of interesting. Like you said, you have a false sense of security, and that kind of adds to a lot of the tension sometimes this game brings. Yep, I can agree with that. I just don't want to have someone not be aware of that and get eliminated early. And so I think, I mean, you could probably put some house rules in there so that no one's ever removed from the game and still come in if you're playing full co-op. But I feel like that's a fairly significant change to the game, so you really have to be aware of if you're okay with a bigger impact of a house rule if you want to play that way. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, that's uh, our number fives. Let's move on to number four. Baron, how about you start off this time? <laughs> well, number four, this is the reason I really didn't <laughs> strike up a conversation when I heard Elijah's number five. My number four is the components. Um, I've been, I was really impressed with the whole box that you get. I'm impressed with everything that came in it. 
like you said, the like different tokens and all that were like they're cut out of that plastic acrylic, which is really cool. Um, I'm really excited for how big and imposing those intruders are. They look really good. And believe it or not, I really think the rule book is laid out really well. Every little thing, if you're not sure what it is, it even has a section to say, oh, yeah, you can find out more about that by flipping backwards or forward in case you forgot. So I think that's kind of neat to have in the rule book. Now, the one thing, I, all the miniatures are great. I also got that Sundrop pledge, but I have to admit, I wasn't too thrilled with the way the crew looked. So I've been slowly painting those myself, but the intruders themselves are really spot on. They're imposing. That blue looks really good on those guys. And so other than that, I really think the components were spot on. Like you said, the insert holds everything without any problem. I mean, <laughs> not every game does that. Yeah, I would agree. I've seen some comments and uh, I would share that myself as well about the crew. So the, the, the intruders themselves look great, but the uh, characters definitely didn't get, I think, quite the focus they could have for the Sundrop Pledge. Yes. So that was my number four. Elijah, what did you put for number four? So my number four is directly related to something we mentioned earlier in the podcast. It's the noise. Um, so I really enjoy the mechanic of the noise in the game. And I understand it's not necessarily the crew, as it were, uh, making noise in the ship, but more of uh, tension and the fact that actually uh, the aliens or the intruders, the xenomorphs are making noise on the ship themselves. But the it works. Um, there's a lot of choice there with which path you're going to take and explore the ship. Um, you know, you don't want to generate more noise uh, that would spawn an encounter, but I don't like how the noise remains on the board. So for me, I'm going to list noise as a con. Um, the several times we've played, um, we end up right going to the cockpit, for example, generating a bunch of noise um, and working our way, say, back to the engine or the hibernarium. And the noise up near the front of the ship is just sitting there. And there's just a huge disconnect for me thematically that I don't, I guess I'm not sure why that sits there. And so I, I really like how SEAL Team Flicks does it. Um, so when you generate noise with your weapon, it, that'll actually calm, uh, die down each round. And so it gets quieter and quieter. So I understand how it works in this game, but I just I wish it was uh, just dealt with a little bit differently. So my number uh, four is a con, and it's um, kind of the way the noise works in the game. Yeah, Elijah, I agree with you. I We talked about this already when we played the game, that it felt weird calling it noise, I think thematically calling a noise kind of breaks it for me because I, like you said, it seems weird to have noise persist in that cockpit when you're already at the engines. And really there's at that point in the game, there's not much reason to go back to the cockpit. So why keep the noise there? Um, but if you describe it as, you know, threat of aliens in that area, it makes a little more sense to me that it would stay there because, Oh yeah, aliens caught your scent and now they're monitoring that corridor. So then if you go to that corridor again, they'll either ambush you or attack you. To me, that makes a little more sense. So if they would change the description of that, it might help a little bit. But I agree. I feel like it was just weird at the end of the game seeing noise everywhere on the on the board. And it didn't really impact it a whole lot at that stage. I mean, granted, when you're playing the game, it has a huge impact on where you're going to go and how to tactically move around the ship without getting ambushed or, or spotted by aliens. But yeah, agreed. It could have been done better. I guess I really never thought of it as, I guess seeing, I, I can understand your comment as a noise roll being a weird way to phrase it, but I just always thought of it as a mechanic to have on the board to keep the tension like in the, 
like you said, it's going to push you in ways of which way to go. Of course, once you get somewhere, like you're saying, the cockpit, and you're trying to get to the engine room, you're probably never going to come back to the cockpit unless, I don't know, somebody is, if you're not playing solo, maybe somebody's already switched the things again, and you don't know where you're going. You got to get back there. So I, I just never, I, I guess it really wasn't a con to me. I just kind of thought of it as a neat mechanic to the intruders on the board. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yep. So I'll jump in my number four. My number four is also a con. That's going to be searching the ship. So I had trouble with this, that it didn't make a whole lot of thematic sense to me. Like, if you're on a ship, I feel like you would know where things are on the ship, at least a general sense of it. Maybe not every little detail, but if you're in hibernation on the ship, it just makes sense that you would know, hey, I need to go to the lab, which is in this quadrant of the ship, and I can I know it's going to be there. Now, from a mechanic standpoint of the game... I understand why they did that because it kind of makes it interesting that you have to, you know, explore and discover the ship. But on the flip side, when you have a skull that you know you have to go find the lab, it's kind of frustrating to have to, like, flip over all the tiles. Maybe it's the last tile that you finally find the nest or the lab or whatever you need to do. And then not only that, it's going to make it interesting that maybe these two locations that you need to go to or go between are far apart or close together and it'll affect the difficulty of the game. And so maybe if you saw them, you could plan for to go that earlier because you know it's difficult to do, get that taken care of. We're saving for later when you don't have enough time. So anyway, I guess one of my complaints is from a thematic standpoint and mechanics, it does, didn't really jive for me personally. So that's a con, searching the ship. I would agree with you, Steve, on that one. Um, I it's I'm a that's a mix for me. I like that there's variability with the game every time you play. I would agree thematically there's a little bit of a disconnect though that um you know you you don't remember where things are and that could be part of the theme as well. You're waking up from hiber uh hibernation and um so I get why it's there. It keeps the variability in the game. Um it can be particularly difficult. Um there's some objectives for example where you have to explore every um room in the ship. Um, and you know, it can, at that point, it doesn't really matter. So it, it, it kind of depends on, I guess, your view of whether that's, um, a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely can see your, uh, agree with you. I think it'd be cool if you were to take a different thematic approach to it, where you wake up from hibernation and maybe your mental faculties are a little dull where yes, maybe it's all hidden, but on a given timer, you reveal certain tiles guaranteed as you re- begin remembering, oh yeah, here's the layout of the, of the ship. So you get a little best, a little bit of the best of both worlds, where you don't have to necessarily go to that very last tile and realize, oh, that's a tile needed all along, versus um, having that you know fun factor of flipping over and figuring out how those ships actually laid out. So I actually don't mind that, and I'll actually tell you why they do delve into it not only in the rules but in actually that campaign book itself. The way that they're trying to explain it is as you're coming out of hyperspace or and you're waking up, you your mind isn't exactly fully re-comprehended re-comp- everything that's going on. Now, I don't know why they don't just put a map on the table for you, but we're just going to forget about that. But the reason that they have it like this is because according to the campaign, something happened and Earth is quickly trying to move as fast as it can to this place, so they haven't really figured out a great way to get us there without causing all these issues with our mind and stuff. And there's even a spot in the in that graphic novel where they talk about how they're hoping over a drink that they can hopefully get the rest of themselves back to themselves. So 
that's kind of how they try to explain it. And they do even mention that other than the engines, the cockpit that they've really ingrained in your brain before they put you into hyperspace, they don't really mention much more of the layout of the ship. That's a great uh, feedback, actually, because we, at least I haven't, played the uh, the campaign book at all. So I need to look into that. Right. I guess that's a I guess that's a great way of being able to explain why it does that. Otherwise, yeah, I'm kind of in your boat. Waking up and not remembering what ship you're on, I, I would have had a hard time dealing with that. And again, why there isn't just a map on the table, I, I'm not exactly sure. Or just jump on the computer, right, and look up locations, right? So let's move on to our number three. Hey, Elijah, why don't you start? So my number three is randomness. And um, before you all groan, I, I'm... Oh. Yes, I'm... A... <laughs> <laughs> you set so, that one up. <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I am a big um, uh, Amerigamer. I love theme and I love... I don't mind randomness at all. I am not a spreadsheety point salad type of gamer. Um, so... Again, this is coming from somebody on that side of the fence. But one of the things is, um, and and again, I, I'm going to caveat this. So the randomness, for example, shows its its face in um, in many ways. So you randomly draw your turn order. You randomly draw your character. You randomly draw monster health to find out how much the monster has. You randomly draw cards, for example, items when you encounter a room. Now, granted, you draw two and pick one. Um, you randomly do damage. You roll a dice to do damage. So it's just, there's a lot of randomness. I feel there's a, a fairly, uh, fair, it's balanced very well. So this is again, um, it's a con for me, but I don't mind it. I feel it's pretty well balanced and you're able to mitigate it in a lot of different ways. So for example, if we look at the player order, it doesn't, it's random, but it, it's not game breaking. Um, your character again, is just going to, change maybe your the play style or how you fit into your objectives so um there's some explanations on monster health for example so um in a lot of games you know these guys have three points these guys have four and so you know you know how much you're they're gonna die imperial assault is a good example um in this one it's explained more thematically that you don't really know they don't really have health they're either dead or not and so you draw that card to find out um, you know, have I, have we killed him? And I get it, but it's just a little bit of that. And kind of tying into this a little bit is earlier, Steve, a comment you made was there are some cards that are just not fun. So, I mean, you can literally draw a card and it's, if, if you have condition X, that's it, game over, you're done. And I just feel that there's like no way to mitigate that level of randomness, um, in any way possible. So, and I'm okay with not fun cards, but you know, um, for me, the randomness in this game is a little high. Um, and again, that's coming from a mirror gamer. It can be, a, a, a it's well mitigated through, you know, different mechanics and the cards and things, but, um, it's, it's a con. If you don't like randomness in your game, stay away from Nemesis. And I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on that one. <laughs> so I tend to be kind of forgiving when it comes to randomness generally. Um, I will point it out if I feel like there's too much of it. And in this game, I would agree there is too much of it, but the same time, it never really took me away from the game playing experience itself, where I felt like, okay, that was super random, and now I'm not engrossed in what's happening on the board or the theme. So, for all the randomness in there, it I don't know if I would really list it as a pro or con. This would, if I would list it for myself, it would be a, a mixed, I think, honestly. Um, but I would agree, if anybody is adverse to randomness in the game, definitely avoid this one, because it's everywhere. 
Well, I don't know if I'd say randomness everywhere. It's just in the hidden tokens, the board itself. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. It's pretty much everywhere in this game. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if that's kind of, again, part of that theme, and it's supposed to bring that tension. You never know what's around the corner, almost just like any other sci-fi horror movie. Am I going to turn around this corner and get tail whipped by the queen? Or am I going to turn the corner and there's like a little larva on the ground? Or am I going to turn the corner and I'm in the showers? with nothing around you're never really going to know and i think you can mitigate it again with some of that almost push your luck type concept where i might not have explained it in the intro but one of the things you do is if you do actually have to deal with an encounter from one of the intruders they can potentially surprise attack you but you can mitigate it by actually holding enough action cards in your hand to prevent that from happening which then you can go ahead and counter this. So do I push my luck and keep losing my cards and trying to get to these different parts of the ship, or do I go slowly and cautiously through this ship and kind of mitigate some of that luck? I don't understand what slowly and cautiously means in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I was always sprinting. <laughs> oh, I never had a hand of cards. <laughs> I'll tell you, if you do go slowly and cautiously you're not going to make it because either that ship's going to take off, it's going to blow up, or something bad's going to happen. Yeah, and, and, and I should add, again, um, it, it it's a con. Um, I'm not quite sure how you can balance it without it becoming more full Euro. And if you look at the source material, which obviously is aliens and alien, um, there's a lot of randomness there, right, as they land and, um, you know, Xenomorph spawns on the ship and in the first movie and it takes everything out. So there's just a ton of craziness that happens and this game recreates that very well. Um, but I don't know. I just, you know, Steve and I had talked a little bit, for example, what if when you attacked a monster, the first card you drew was its health and you put the health cubes on the Xenomorph. So for example, if you pulled a four card, drew a four card, you put four on the monster and those four cubes follow that guy around and he's always now has four health. So it's just, it, it creates a little bit more like there's a finality to him. So I can gear up for how much do I, do I want to spend actions towards taking him down and out? Cause I know when he will die. Um, and with the game, it's, you never really know. So I, I don't know, should I attack this guy? Cause I might draw the card with two health. And then you have this brute, this breeder with only two health and you could draw an adult with say six. And so it's just kind of, I get the disconnect and stuff. So I guess that's what I'm trying to convey is, you know, there's a lot of different kind of weird random things that happen in this game, which I feel are better mitigated in other games. You still have random as save for Eldritch Horror, you know, for example, and other games. So anyway, that's my uh, number three and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> so Berndt, I would love to hear your number three. My number three, it actually kind of goes again. I, I'm really, it's a plus. I really like the theme of this game. I like the way it, it kind of, in, once you start playing it, you kind of feel like these characters. And each character, I think, is interesting that they all have their own deck of cards. They are, they do have their own, there are about four or five cards that every character has that's the same. And they needed that because otherwise you're not, if you wouldn't be able to search the ship. You wouldn't be able to repair things if not every character had this. But I do like the theme. I like the semi-co-op concept of it. And I do like the way the co-op works as well. I like the fact that if somebody dies, they can take over the intruders if they want to. So even if you lose somebody early in the game, they get like an intruder deck that they can start playing with. And they can really mess you up pretty fast. So there is that to help if somebody dies early. Now, 
and maybe it's just me. I've always been a huge fan of, like you said, that since you said the word aliens, I'm just going to go with it. I've always been a huge fan of aliens. And so just the whole theme of this where you're waking up from hibernation with already an alien somewhere on the ship that's grown into tons of aliens and you have a corporation that's giving you an objective to have to deal with. This just really rings throughout the entire game. And I think it's a, it's a plus for me. And I probably should have said my number four was a plus as well, those components. Um, so, spoiler alert, that may or may not be on my list. So, I'm going to agree with you on that, Barrett. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, extra spoiler alert, that may also be on my list at a later point. <laughs> so, I'll jump into my number three. My number three is a pro, and that is specifically the contamination cards. So not familiar with this game is you can get like minor wounds or scratches or some of the effects where you will take this contamination card and add it to your deck of cards. So what it is, is it's got this red splotted film that covers up the actual text underneath it. You can't read it. And at some point in the game, if you go into surgery to try to like form an operation on yourself to cut this thing out, or if you need a rest, you can take a peek at it. And how you take a peek at it, you take this card and you slide it into this viewfinder, which got a red film on it. And when you, this red film will actually let you read the characters behind it. And so what you're doing is just like four or five lines of text back there. And you're looking for the word infected. If you see the word infected, then yes, that's an infected card. If you don't see the word infected, then you're in the clear. But you really don't know until you actually look into this viewfinder. And the cool thing about it is the words or the characters on there all are very close to saying the words infected or not. So it's got this tension. Even when you peek it in, it's like, oh, is that infected? No, it's a character or two off. Is this it? No, I don't know. And I love that intention. I love that implementation. And it's really fun because even at the end of the game, when you quote unquote win, you may have to uh, look at your infected cards or maybe shuffle up your deck and draw infected cards to thematically signify that, oh yeah, by the way, you are actually infected and now you are dead. And it makes it really, I don't know, it makes for a really exciting finish for me. Big fan of the, the contamination cards. So I'm just going to chime in and say I totally agree with you here. Uh, every time I pull it out, I always think of the old 3D, the blue and red glasses you would put on when I see that red film. And it's so fun when somebody scans a contamination card. It's just like, oh, oh, what you get, what you get. And so like there's this fun like energy around the table when somebody's grabbing that card and putting it in there. And I would agree, Steve, you know, you kind of have to pay attention to, you can't just like quickly glance. There's no like big icon. These words really blend in close together. And so it's just a really fun mechanic. I would totally agree. I'm going to reserve my uh, comments for, oh, I don't know, maybe somewhere down the line. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Payback, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. uh, Barrett, how about you jump into your number two then? Well, my number two is pretty much going to piggyback right off of yours, Steve. I really think that uh, component of the contamination cards is a really well-implemented system, and it's a, it's a plus for me. Um, I'm just going to say a couple things since we already covered most of it. Uh, I, the other thing that's interesting about the contamination cards is they're going to come up again in your hand. You get them in your discard pile, but then you're going to draw these in your hand, and you can't use them. So it limits the amount of actions you have until, like you said, you go to get rid of these. Is it right to get rid of them? Because if one of them says infected, uh, all of a sudden you're closer to death than you thought you were when you were just holding the card in your hand. 
So you kind of, it's again, you, but if you're also in the right place, like you said, the surgery area, you can get rid of those cards then and start getting those five cards back into your hand and be able to perform the actions. But again, <laughs> it's always this give and take. If you have those extra contamination cards in your hand, you're less likely to get surprised by some of those aliens running around the ship. So I really like that contamination, contamination deck concept. I think that's great. And that's that's about all I got for that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point actually too. The death the deck pollution. So as you get more of those contamination cards, I feel bad for Steve. Um, last game we played, what did you have, Steve? Two continuously or I haven't continuously, but I had <laughs> one continuously for like the whole game. I got rid of one and immediately got another one to replace it. <laughs> So, oh, that's right. So you never had more than four free, like, actual player cards. You always had the one, that contamination card that was floating around forever. So, yeah. Always. Yeah. Even at the end of the game. So, finally get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's really cool. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into my number two. Um, it is Choices. So I'm listing this firmly in the pro category. The choices that you're presented with in this game, um, I really enjoy. So... Between the cards in your hand, what order you play them in, um, with full co-op mode, um, really playing off each other and, and strategizing which area of the ship you are going to explore. Um, you know, when do you pass? When am I done? Do I risk that surprise attack? Um, you know, do I use the room's action? Um, for example, the uh, engine checking the engine statuses or starting the airlock procedure. And everything feels like it's a choice because if I use that airlock procedure, it's huge. We can t you know, totally take out the intruders in a room, but it's precious time that we're not doing what we need to be doing. And so um, granted, sometimes obviously the path is very clear before you, but um, in addition, you have the items right that you're going to acquire throughout the game, um, stim packs or food or, or different things you can craft. And so do I use these two items to craft something? Do, do, should I consume this craftable now helping others like hey steve i'm gonna you know take team you here how about you go here let's follow each other to reduce the noise and and your objectives as well so do i work on my objective now do we try to swoop and so there's just a lot of choice in this game which i really um found enjoyable and uh, i would definitely um consider it it's my number two and it's a con um my pro so i love the choices presented yeah, that's a good point, Elijah. It's not something I consider on this list all, but it's a it's a good one to bring up where even in co-op, I feel like there's a choice like, yes, I have this objective to do, but technically you can help me do it, which is a really cool feature in the game where like when we were playing, you made it to the cockpit to set our destination to Earth easier than I could while I had to deal with, actually at that point, it's probably just getting attacked by a... a a Xeno and get my contamination card early. So, <laughs> but it was, it was nice to have that choice of like, okay, you know what? I don't actually have to go there. Instead, I can go over here and set up a clear path. And one thing I'll, I'll mention in the game that we haven't talked before is if you move into an area that someone's already there, you don't actually generate any additional noise. So that adds a huge factor in this game on like who should move first to clear the path and who should follow. And how do we set up the path so don't we lock ourselves in where we have to cross over a corridor which we already added noise? And on this and that, one thing we haven't mentioned is you have the choice to move normally or move silently. And the difference is one versus two cards. That adds a lot of decisions to the game where 
if you move silently, you can choose which corridor to place that noise in. If you move regularly, you have to roll a dice, and you know the dice gods decide where that noise goes. And it could really screw you up. Or like, oh yeah, I was planning to go in that corridor, but now that the dice gods decided there's gonna be noise there, well, crap, I can't go that way anymore because I'm gonna have to deal with a Xeno that's gonna pop up and get me. So yeah, big a lot of fun with how that plays with the co-op mode and how that we can interact with each other. Well, Elijah, you hit that one on the head. Sadly, I didn't even put that on my list, but that is a huge plus, and it's a huge thing for this game. Yeah, I love it. Um, like, as you mentioned, Steve, um, choosing to move carefully and follow each other, do we split up? You know, and you have awesome plans where, hey, you go for the cockpit, I'll do X, Y, and Z, and that did not happen. I mean, and so it's those choices before you that makes the game interesting. So, so my number two is going to be a con. It's something that uh, Elijah already mentioned, but I'll mention more specifically, and that is the random alien health. I mean, I think it's a cool concept in, in general to say, you know, we shoot this alien, and I don't really know how much health he has. But from a thematic standpoint, if I'm shooting a gun at alien, and I see like the bullet or the laser like graze off his shoulder and doesn't really do anything, well, then I know he's barely wounded from that but if i see his arm get blown off then you know okay i know i'm doing effective damage and i can kind of get an idea of how much health or how much i need to do to actually eliminate this threat but in this game how it works is every time you do a wound to an alien you flip over the alien deck and it will have a health counter in the top corner and tells you how much health it has and at the time of doing that wound if the wounds ex exceed that health counter or health value then he's dead. And so it leaves this weird mechanic in the game where, yeah, I shot this alien and I flipped over the card and it said he had five health. Okay, oh great. He only has one on there. You know, I shoot him at again and he has two wounds on him and I flip over a card. Okay, now he says six health. Okay, that's kind of weird, but whatever. I shoot him again. Now he's got three wounds and now he only has two health. Now he's actually dead. And it just kind of like, I mean, it's a cool concept, but in reality, it's not how I want to experience the game. And you mentioned earlier, Elijah, one variant we talked about, where like as soon as you do a wound to the guy, you flip over a card, and that's how many wounds he has. That's his health for the whole game, and you know how much he's going to take. And that makes more sense to me, or something like that, where, I mean, even in the game, there's something we haven't mentioned, those fire in rooms. And Xenos can take damage from fire, but technically they, they can burn all day with tons of fire damage on them. But until you actually shoot them with a gun, you don't get a chance to flip up a card and do that health check to see if they're actually dead. And that just seemed to break the the thematic immersion for me. Well, since that's your number two and we've done all our number twos, if you don't mind, I'll go first on my number one because apparently I'm in the minority because my favorite this thing <laughs> in this entire game is the combat. I think the combat is brilliant. I love this system. This is a strong plus for me. I love the fact that as you're shooting at these intruders, you're never going to know if you actually got the right amount of bullets into them or if you hit them in the right spots. You're on a dark ship. You're just firing blindly at these things you've never seen before. You have no idea how to actually take these things out. So all of a sudden, I'm emptying my gun into this intruder, finding out that I'm actually not hitting anything lethal. I've never thought of those cards as health. I've thought of it more as a lethal kill check. So as I'm firing at this thing, did I get the kill shot? Or is he still going to be coming at me with, I don't know, his six limbs and his four tails and coming at me? I have no idea. Now, you touched on whether or not this is, an, if this is a good idea. And it is, because there are weapons in the game that as you hit these aliens, if they have a static number of health, some of the stuff isn't going to work. 
because I know, for example, there's I know at least one gun out there that if you roll a certain die roll, I could remove other ammo to do more damage. Well, if I know I'm already going to need to do four, then I know that's not something I have to worry about. And it becomes less interesting and it becomes less like it doesn't bring that kind of tension or surprise when you actually do get this alien down for the count. So at one point in one of my in my playthrough, you're going to see where I actually hit this alien really well. And I decide to get rid of a, uh, another charge to do more damage and didn't kill it. And again, I hit him again. Same deal. And this side, I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to waste another ammo to know I might not take this alien out. So I choose not to. And again, it didn't I didn't take him out. He did something that we haven't talked about. The cards can actually show an arrow, and you could do 732 points of damage to this alien, and if he draws the arrow card, he runs from you. And now you're chasing down this alien that you know could probably die in the next shot. And again, that's almost, it just seems so thematic and so awesome in the way this combat works in this style. So I will add one thing to combat that I kind of agree with you a little bit. I don't care for the random health of the lethal shot you mentioned. But I do really enjoy how ineffective combat feels against the Xenos, which feels thematically correct. Like, because these are giant aliens, and we're just wimpy humans, and we're not really... Well, there's a soldier in the game you could play as, but no, nothing really feels like, yeah, you know what, I've got this awesome weapon, I'm going to run around the ship just killing Xenos. That's just not going to happen in my, in my experience. So you're just fighting for your life. It's got that tension, the horror in there. In that sense, it does work. I just don't like the random health. Yeah, and I'm wondering if we might be playing a different game because I'm not running around and gunning too much. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess I tend to stay away from them in our play. Um, but like I said, I, I get it. And, and that's what I do think about too. And I know the weapons you're, you're talking about. And it, with the way the game is, they it would break that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I also kind of wonder how it would change the game if, for example, when you encountered... Uh, an intruder and you drew a card that whatever that number was it was itself now you had mentioned the retreat mechanic which I really like as well so there's kind of that aspect to it like oh my gosh did I do the killing blow and wait a minute he's retreating so obviously he's wounded but again the disconnect can be what if you drew the first card and it was three health right and so and you have two on him and then the next one he retreats and then the last card is six and it's like well wow this guy's really difficult suddenly and I just feel like as a player, when you're investing all that time up front, your ammo, that precious ammo and things that, um, I don't know, I just, it, it's a, it's totally different. I don't think there's a lot of games that implement it like, you know, like uh, Nemesis does for sure. One of the reasons they probably haven't implemented this in too many games is there's only one person that really finds this really exciting when he's actually gunning at an alien. And yeah, you're right. Most of the time you're going to be running from these aliens. But if you do, or even not finding them, that'd be the best plan. Mm -hmm. But if you do, they get that free attack on you unless you have a way of mitigating that. And those attacks can be pretty deadly. So if you're sitting there with like three bullets and you might as well try to take this thing out because if you run, you know you're getting hit. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into my number one. Thank you, Berndt. Um, My number one is theme. So this game is Aliens in a Box and you will not find a game that does it better. Absolutely 100%. From the infection, from the larva in your chest, from the ship traveling in space. I mean, just the whole thing is, that's what sold me on this game. When I saw it, it was instant back. I mean, I literally was like, done. 
okay, when I can't wait to get it um, because I'm a huge fan of the movies. And um, so for me, it's the theme. This game drips it. There's You can't replace it. It couldn't be you're, far, you're a farmer with chickens, right? We're not a vineyard here. This is aliens in a box. And so uh, I love it. Um, you know, it's just dripping with theme. There's really nothing else I can say. <laughs> but that's my number one. It's a pro and it's the theme. Stop it, Elijah. Stop it. <laughs> you must be looking at my notes. So, because that exactly is my number one as well. The theme is so well implemented in this game. It is, you open that box, and I swear a Xeno is popping out as soon as you open that box lid. It is, everything's in there. It is aliens in a box. I know it's not technically aliens, but, but whatever. I mean, everything you want from an aliens infesting a spaceship type setting is there. You've got. You know, like you said, the the larva that actually they grow into different adults, and the queen, the nest. You got eggs in the nest. You might have to go after. You got things blowing up in the ship. You have to check your heading. You don't know where you are. It's it's all there. I love it. The theme really sells this one. You both are exactly right. This game, the theme is amazing. I've been waiting, I think, since nineteen eighty six. The leading edge games came out with aliens, and I haven't seen a game that could ever compare to that until this one this one has exactly what i'm looking for when i'm looking for a feel of a game like that where it's based so much on that movie so much on that kind of concept of the sci-fi horror yeah nail on the head boom instant back like you said there's no game on it you know in the in the market and i'm not familiar with the one you mentioned but um this game i know there's a, another one coming out uh using the actual aliens license um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how that does. But um, you can tell the the designer was a big fan of the aliens. And so let's wrap up this discussion with our final thoughts. So would I recommend this? That's kind of a tough one to answer. I think for the average person, I probably wouldn't. I know it might be a little bit harsh, but I feel like there's enough little things, at least for me personally in the game, that just kind of bother me some mechanical disconnect from the theme which is so well in- integrated in this game like most of it just the theme is dripping but there's a few things that just pull me out of that i wish there was a few tweaks to make it work now is it a instant pass i wouldn't necessarily say that i mean now if you're looking for an ends game i will agree with barrett and elijah on this that i don't think there's another game out on the market that does this theme as well as this one that is an awesome job so if you want that thematic experience in a box this was for you for sure the other thing is if you're okay with minor rules tweaks because honestly a majority of the game is fine but there's a few things that just at least for me bothered me so if you're okay with some house rules here and there i think this could be manipulated into a really fun experience so i mean it's up to you like is making some tweaks to fix a game or maybe you don't even disagree with me with what i think is an issue with the game then maybe this is for you. I don't know. But for me, with all the games that are coming out that are just so good, the, the caliber of games is very high. Is this good enough? And on average, I would say probably not. But who knows? This may interest you if you love the Aliens theme. Well, Steve, I can kind of see your opinion on all of that. And I, I can understand. There, the good news is there's not a lot of this genre out right now this sci-fi horror-y kind of genre at least that i maybe i'm <laughs> maybe i've got blinders on right here but i haven't seen too much out there so at least it has that going for it if that's something you're looking for yeah this game's gonna be good it's a difficult game and like you said it's dripping with theme 
Um, I do like the semi-co-op version, which I, I know technically it's the co-op cast, but the actual box game is supposed to be a semi-co-op. So believe it or not, <laughs> something that's going to be interesting to say is it, it's definitely not for anybody who'd like to alpha game a game. It's not going to happen if you're doing it that way because everybody's got their own objectives. Now, I think it's a great game, I like, but I'm a huge Aliens fan. I haven't seen a game like this since uh, Aliens by Leading Edge came out, and so this was so exciting for me to get my hands on. Now, if you're not that, like you said, if you're not that into that kind of genre, this might not be for you. Uh, there is a lot of tension this game brings. There's a lot of, there's moments of panic where you don't know if you're going to survive the next hit. Uh, there's some push your luck. So if those are the kind of things you're not looking for, this game, again, might not be for you. So that's uh, me. Uh, instant buy. Uh, my wife and I tried it. She enjoyed it. The group that I showed it to, they enjoyed it as well. Um, we didn't have really any problems with any of the mechanics. We thought they were all great. And that rule book is easy enough for anybody who does pick it up to get into pretty quick. So I guess what I'm saying is I would really recommend this to people looking for maybe a little different type of game, like a sci-fi horror genre type game where it's not all co-op, it could be co-op, or if you've been looking for a great co-op experience, at least you're looking for something in the sci-fi realm if you want to move away from fantasy, because <laughs> there's a lot of fantasy co-ops out there. Uh, people that might not like it, I would say, are really going to be people that want to win every game. This game is not easy. I, I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> I haven't won it yet. I think I've lost every time. So it is a difficult <laughs> game. And if you don't like, I know we've talked about it, that luck. There's a lot of luck. There's a lot of you never know what's around the corner. If you like to have a grasp of everything you're going to be able to do, eh, it might not be for you. So my final thoughts on this game are um, it's got wonderful components. The miniatures, everything, the artwork is awesome. Uh, the noise I don't necessarily love, but it works and it works great. Uh, there's a fair amount of randomness. This, this is that type of game, though. Um, there's a lot of choices and decisions on your turn. And, you know, how does the game unwind and unravel? And it is Aliens in a Box. So I'm I'm torn. This is one that, uh, I mean, when, when I play it, I really enjoy it. And when I'm done, I'm like, wow, that was that was fun. But on the other hand, it's not a game that I would put in the love category for myself. So, um this is, I think, for myself, not a game that I would want to play very often. Um, I see it more as something I would break out every now and again when I'm having that Aliens craving. It is so unique in its theme um, in, in the mechanics with that contamination cards and sort of the scanning and, and things and the way that the the bag works with the Aliens. Um, so it's tough. Um, I can see house ruling, which, you know, most of us may or may not do. Some of us may do. Um, is you can house rule some small things in this game to just try to change it up or make it a little bit different. So I'm torn. I'm not sure. And like Steve had mentioned, um, I don't know about it, most of you out there, but uh, I don't have unlimited gaming time. And so with so much time and, and a lot of games, it's tough to, um, I think, get this to the table often. But I think with the right group, um, and if you're really craving that Aliens theme, <clears throat> it's going to be uh, something for you. So I would recommend this to people who don't mind horror games, don't mind sci-fi and sort of the Alien theme, um, are okay with uh, possible not fun cards, player elimination if you play that. The co-op is, um, you know, recommended 
definitely. And I would say if you aren't into any of that and you are more, you like more control in your game, that you would want to stay away from this this type of game. So um, that's uh, really what it is. And so again, I'm really torn on this one. I, it's tough. I I I think it's going to stay on my shelf. I think, <laughs> but uh, time will tell. It, it, the the real big thing for me right now is there's no game that can replace it, and so. Um, it really is kind of a one of a kind game. Yeah, it's a great ending point there. There's that's that statement that there's no the game that replaces it right now is very true. And and despite all the things we've said in here, like I can't deny the fact that at the end of every game, I can say I enjoy myself. It's been fun just because the theme is so engrossed in there. It's 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 that aliens in a box as we keep saying. So I mean, we've got some differencing opinions in here. So this is not a clear case. Yes, go out and get it for everyone or don't not sure about it. Uh, but definitely the, if you're into that theme, it's worth a look. So that's going to wrap up a review of Nemesis. I want to thank Barrett for joining us from Meet Me at the Table. So where can you find you? Well, you can find me on YouTube at Meet Me at the Table. I really haven't used too much other multimedia like Facebook or anything. Maybe I should. That would be a good thing to do. But I have quite a lot of content out there. If anybody's interested in seeing it, please stop on by. You can email me at Meet Me at the Table, all one word, Meet Me at the Table 4, because apparently somebody took 1, 2, and 3, at (laughs) gmail.com. Other than that, yeah, that's how you get a hold of me. And I believe you're on our Slack, too. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm on there quite a bit. I was actually talking today about how terribly cold it is here in Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. So that's going to wrap up our episode this week. If you have any news or upcoming games you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at onestopcoopshop at gmail.com. And please join us on Slack. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast if you want to join. And tune in next week when Mike and Peter review a game and do another design discussion. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you at the next stop. I'd just like to thank you guys for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. I hope to do this again sometime. Oh, it was so much fun meeting you guys. It's been a pleasure having you on, Baron. Look forward to you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Welcome. I already failed. A couple of things that jumped out in that game was when we were going on this, like, subway tunnel train system and there were a time bomb hidden somewhere in the subway we had to go uh, dismantle it or or not dismantle it not detonate it defuse defuse thank you words (laughs) are hard (laughs) don't worry i have google (laughs) (laughs) well it was fumbling it was hard to dismantle that time bomb for a little bit not dismantle it my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> so, if you haven't checked it out, go go and check it out. That was really awkward. And it's kind of random who is first and who's second. But once you develop a turn order, it kind of resolve evolves evolve the.
Round the block. God, I'm terrible. Oh did, you say, did you say Volvo? The Volvo, <laughs> yep. The Volvo. There we go. Unless you want me to go first, I can go first. If you still you go about first. It. I got to figure out how I'm going to say this. Okay, okay. Just say, Elijah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>